When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, and welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, we're coming to you on a Wednesday. Tough loss for the Celtics last night in Houston, but they have won 10 to 12. We'll talk about all that, plus more on Jason Tatum's recent emergence. I mean, he keeps emerging. This is a uh, is this the height of his emergence? That's what we're going to get to. Also, maybe touch on, <laughs> also maybe touch on Gordon Hayward's long-term future in Boston. But first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Winning Plays Pod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. And uh, Mike and B Rob. Uh, like I said, this is Wednesday morning. Very ugly loss for the Celtics last night. Just an ugly game altogether. B Rob, uh, a resident Celtics beat writer. What do you think? What are, your, what are your first, what's your immediate reaction to, to that stinker? Uh, the Celtics were due for one of those, I think, first and foremost. Um, I was honestly shocked that they were still in the game midway through the fourth quarter, being down two based on just how clunky they looked offensively for most of that night. And then, yeah, they just, um, I don't know, like they just, they, they couldn't stop fouling. They couldn't stop making, you know, biting on pump fakes Westbrook and Harden were kind of the best version of both of themselves in that game which is going to be tough to beat at any point but the Celtics were just weren't you know they weren't disciplined enough to to keep those guys off the line and that was that was kind of the game right there you'd think in a game where the Rockets shoot 29 percent from the three-point line that you'd have a chance to win and I guess the Celtics did have a chance to win they did yeah but 42 free throw attempts is it's tough to overcome that. And, you know, Harden, there was a stretch, I think, probably like middle of the second quarter when he came back in to end of the third, where I think he scored 23 points. And he, like, I think in a row at one point, right? Yeah. he had. I think he had 13 or 15 in a row. And yep. the, when he has the step back going, it's, it's just like lights out. I don't know how you beat this team. Uh, and Tatum, who is normally a pretty good disciplined on-ball defender, left his feet uh, twice against Harden. He got blown by uh, by Westbrook in situations where you, he, he typically sticks with guys, but like all the spacing that Houston creates with this small ball lineup where they just have everyone standing behind the three-point line, the driving lanes are ridiculous. Um, it's really tough to slow them down. And when Westbrook plays as well as he has over the last few weeks, that's why I think this team should not be discounted as a championship contender. And uh, as, you know, I, I think Tatum had one of his worst games of the season, you know, 0 for 7 from the three-point line. He had a bunch of pull-ups that rimmed out that he normally hits, missed four free throws. Um would you say he was jinxed by anyone writing like a feature story about how <laughs> Could have been. We, well, he's ready for yeah. his superstar? Uh, we'll get to that move. for sure. But uh, also, but also, like the Celtics didn't attack the basket, um, which is what you absolutely need to do uh, against a team that does not play anyone who is six eight or taller. So that was also pretty problematic. And Kemba Walker ha- also had a clunker of a, of a shooting performance. So. Um, I know we're about to get into maybe some lineup things that Brad Stevens could have done. So why don't I kick that that topic to you, Rich? Because I know you were talking about it before we went on live. Well, yeah. Well, let's mention real quick that it doesn't help that Jalen Brown was playing on zero good angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the lineup. But first, let's touch on you know this is a game where Ennis Cantor, and this is the conversation all year, right? Is he a guy that you can use to take advantage of smaller lineups or a guy that you're only going to use when you're at a disadvantage with bigger lineups? And I think that maybe last night was the answer because, you know, not that he really got many chances. He, he got that first big spurt of minutes and was just horrible. Can, can he use his left hand? Has anyone ever <laughs> seen him take a, left, a lefty layup? No. I mean, because the, the couple times that he got the ball in the post – I think it was either Tucker or Covington. I want to say Tucker. Tucker. 
was literally giving him the entire left side of the hoop. Like if he if he had a little lefty hook, it would have been uncontested. But he he has to muscle and get get to the hoop with his right hand. And I, I mean, you, you you can't use him. Is that is that what we're feeling? I mean, you guys have kind of been on that all year, uh, or at least you, B Rob. Um, but you would think that that would be a game where you trot out the Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Jalen, and uh, Gordon lineup, like your five best players. And we talk about Jalen not being maybe his best self last night. But if there was ever a night that we wanted to see see them roll out that lineup, it was last night, but it, it, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Go ahead, Mike. Uh, real quick, like in defense of Cantor, like it's – we just know that that's not a good like heading into the game you got to know that that's not a good matchup and so i understand brad stevens wanting to throw ns out there for maybe a the first a first stint and just to see if he can get the ball rolling and if he can have an impact on the offensive glass and if he can punish pj tucker who's just like a fire hydrant and impossible to move and so the answer was no so i i think that the matchup was very peculiar so I don't want to say I don't want to make like a, a broad statement about Cantor based on this one, uh, this one opponent. But yeah, like you got to play your five best. Your five best is a small lineup. We've been talking about it all year. Tice has been playing really well, but like thirty minutes for Tice in this game, I just don't agree with it fundamentally. And and it's not like he had a terrible game, but the opportunity cost there. I just think you would have had a better shot at winning if you went small the whole time and. The argument there is, hey, like if you have no rim protection against Westbrook and and Harden, those guys are just going to feast. But uh, it's not like Tice was swatting shots left and right. Um, and not like Harden was really attacking the rim. No, um, and they were basically, you know, both teams switch a lot, and it seemed like, especially early, Harden was just really wanting to get. Hayward, which is really interesting uh, on him. So they were screening with Hayward's man uh, repeatedly. And uh, yeah, I just think that if you have, I think Boston's five is better than Houston's five when they're small. And that's kind of what I would have gone to a little bit more than two minutes at the end of the game. Yeah, I think the the point is, you know, you'd like to see more of that small lineup in a game like that. I 100% agree with that. But with, I mean, they... The problem with their small lineup and the problem I think they faced last year with that lineup or just a small look lineup is like a guy like Tice is pretty important for the offense in terms of they got really stagnant for a lot of last night when Houston was switching mm-hmm. all over the place and they just weren't, like you said, they weren't going to the hoop. They weren't taking advantage. Tice, a guy like Tice is important in terms of like doing the gritty work of like screening in the paint, like just giving himself up to so guys can get open looks which is half the battle for this offense half times and then the problem was when he's not on the floor and maybe smart comes on there's like there's no one really doing that in that lineup enough um just in general because that's the type of players they are it's not a bad thing it's just you know that's what they're not programmed to do and i think uh, just a a smart rockets defense that with you know two great team defenders and tucker and covington on the, on the back line like they just handled it well and, you know, make dared the Celtics to take jump shots that they were missing more often than not. Yeah, no, I, I totally I, I get all of that. And uh, you make but you should but they should practice the small ball. Lineup. I agree. Like that's the night where you want to you want to see 10 or 15 minutes of this lineup together at some point when you can get away with it. And last night was the night for that. Yeah, It was just like that's the proper matchup. And this this is what the regular season is for. Like. Nights like last night where, uh, you know, you know what the other team is going to do. They're the most, like, predictable team in the league probably in terms of scheme and in terms of rotations. And, like, that's the time where, like, you are kind of buying into or, or I guess you are, like, mutating your own strategy to kind of go down to what they do. And and I think there's some, you know, that's humbling. And I, I don't know, maybe that's something that made Brad Stevens kind of second guess going small against a team that wants you to go small, and that's like a win for the Rockets. But I still think that the Celtics, their absolute ceiling as a team, as well as they played all year, is with that five-man unit, and we're going to need to see it in the playoffs, and that, that unit's going to have to have success at some point. Right. It's one thing when when that small unit doesn't happen to be your five best players. You know, like if you're going out of your way and maybe like sacrificing – 
you know, some, some talent on the bench to go small. But when, when that is your most talented lineup, it makes sense. And, and I guess we should, we should mention that, that on most nights that Jason Tatum goes over seven from three and, and you know, only has 15 points and all that, like that's not going to be a game that the Celtics most likely win. And especially against, yeah, if they exactly. both struggle, you're not going to win. <laughs> Yeah, one for thirteen combined uh, for them. Kemba, a, a nice juicy minus twenty four uh, in twenty eight minutes, and again, and when Jalen Brown, I mean, that was tough to watch. That his uh, just physically, he he shouldn't have been out there. I would have much rather him rested. He scored ahead. nineteen points though. Like he was okay yeah, before. Okay, but but in the second half, that was yeah. Looked, I mean, he it looked was... like Larry Bird in nineteen ninety nineteen ninety one. The way he was moving <laughs> around, um, I would have much rather let him rest and have him healthy for. Or as healthy as possible for the Clippers game on uh, on Thursday. That we also saw the first smart Brown on court blow up of the year. Um, late in the not a blow up, but Brown didn't switch and gave Harden a wide open layup, and Smart let him have it after the play. Um, stuff that we saw a lot last year that you know we haven't seen at all this year. I feel like. Yeah, Marcus was fired up. He was he was fun to watch as as, as always. There was that great that great. Uh, uh, back and forth. I think Harden hit a three in his face, and then I think maybe the third or fourth quarter, Marcus came down, hit one right, right back at him. Um, did he? Was that a flop on that that elbow to the face from from Westbrook? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Like, so? it was. He got hit. He got hit, but he definitely sold it. You, you, there's a de- a complete which he should do, which I have no problem with him doing. They got to review it, but the refs saw it. They saw the contact. And we're like, eh, like that's like a marginal hit. We're not going to reward. We're not going to call flagrant on that. We're going to make the foul stand, which which sucks for Smart, given how much ticky tack crap that Harden and Westbrook got during that game. Um, but it's just you know the nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah. Do you think he, was he when he went over to Brad after that play? Was he he was asking for a challenge, not a review, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he wanted a challenge, but then the refs just reviewed it on their own. Yeah. So I guess it worked. It like you know they got him to look at it. So good job by him. Um, but yeah, that. That was not uh, good. I think, I mean, the other thing from last night, guys, like, I guess against a team, I don't know, it kind of like the way the Celtics were playing for a lot of that game, it kind of just like reminded me of last year in terms of just a lot of like, again, the the, the trap is to ISO against this team with the way the Rockets play mm-hmm. and be like, all right, make your own shot. And that just doesn't like, you know, it's not, you're, it's not going to work consistently if you're not shooting well. And so the Celtics finally got things together when, you know, Hayward was running the offense. I felt like he had a nice night distributing Brad Wanamaker. Hatchie had some really good minutes because he was like, got the ball moving, but far too often it was just, you know, ice swing, whether it was Kemba, Tatum, um, Jalen at points, smart even too. And that just didn't, you know, it was kind of playing into the Rockets hands. I felt like, yeah, uh, those are all fair points. I mean, is there any, like, is there anything else, like, that you guys think we should take away from, I mean, it's just one game, uh, but the Celtics were playing really well heading into last night's loss, and the Rockets are a very, again, a very peculiar team. No one really does what they do. Um, and they've only been doing it now for four, about a this week. This was their like, fourth game, I think, I want to say. Yeah. Right, so it's still so very, very two. new. Yeah. Also, the this was the last Celtics game before the, the break, right? No, they got the Clippers Thursday. Oh, they, really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Well, it was. I think it was so. Houston's last game before the break. So, the, right. like these games, like near before All Star break, are pretty wonky as well. So it's like it's tough to chalk too much up with it. But it was one that they could have won, which is a little frustrating. I think that maybe that is a good segue into Tatum and. Uh, one one other thing though before you ruining go ruining my segue. It's okay. Here I know. Go. Well, no, we have a segue set up set for you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I actually haven't even we talked one. about it. And, and yeah, perfect. Rich had it set up. Yeah. Um, but the one other thing to to look for, uh, the Celtics are the worst team in the East playoff picture when it comes to fouling and sending guys to the line, which, again, this is really bad in this game, 42 free throws, but they do – that's their one weakness out of, like, the four factors on either side of the floor. So I do one – I mean, as far as something to, you know – kind of need to work on in the second half of the season i feel like that's that because you're not gonna have to face hard in the playoffs but you're not gonna get calls in milwaukee against Giannis or you know Embiid and stuff if you're not you know playing disciplined i feel like 
Yeah. No. You're not getting calls against Giannis anyways. Right. Yeah, that's a good so, point. I, I actually looked this up because I saw your story, B-Rob. Yep. Um, the Celtics have never been good at this. <laughs> like, going really? back in cleaning the glasses uh, database, which goes back to 2004, they're usually in almost every season in the bottom 10 of 10th of like the bottom third of the league, so 20th or worse, which is hmm. pretty interesting. Um, and is that Jim O'Brien? Even including uh, when they won the title in 08, they were 23rd. Right now they're 21st wow. in the league. Um, right. So it's, I don't know, take that for what, what it will. It's not like they can't win uh, without with, with playing defense like the Spurs. Like that's, that's not absolutely necessary. But to your point, it is, it is, you know, it is like a factor for sure. Uh, my, my Tatum, two Tatum stats to bring it back uh, for a transition. Uh, his splits and wins and losses, just sort of, I think, if you, what, what can we take from last night? Just the, the increased importance of him bringing it every single night. And, uh, and wins this year, he's averaging 23.7 and losses 18.1. But the one that, that, that got me is in, in victories that he's played in, obviously. This year, Tatum's shooting 41.3% from three and losses 27.9%. Mm. So uh, on a night he goes over seven. Not that, that not the over seven certainly didn't help that number, but that sort of jumped out to me as sort of being a very distinctive difference in the games that the Celtics lose and the Celtics win. Yeah, that is not what you want to see. Um, <clears throat> I will say, last seven games since he returned from that mini uh, mini break, uh, forty five foul shot attempts in the last seven games, which is far, far, far and away the most he's in his career over any seven game stretch. I think thirty five. Was the uh, was the next highest? So he is getting to the line, which is which is we've been harping on all year. Yeah. So I wrote this story yesterday at SB Nation about Tatum and basically trying to see if he could be one of the. I guess the thesis was that in his third year, is Tatum capable of becoming the superstar that every ch- championship team needs? And histor- I looked at some. Historical comparisons, uh, it's very rare for a third-year guy to, you know, average over 20 points per game uh, for a playoff team that get to, gets to the conference finals or the finals. You know, Dwayne Wade um, in 06, uh, Ginobili uh, in 05, um, uh, James Worthy in 85, uh, Shaq wow. in 94. Like, it's not, it's not common. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of Toronto Raptors fans were in my mention saying that I forgot Pascal Siakam last year, which I guess is fair, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't say he was their second option, even though he was their second leading scorer in that playoff run. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll pose the question to you guys and what you think. Uh, based on Tatum winning, uh, he won player of the week in, you know, that's not that remarkable of a thing and of an accomplishment. Anybody can get hot for a week, but it just felt like he was, he's been this evolving player for a couple weeks now, um, even longer than that, I would say. And, you know, there are statistical markers that are really encouraging. He's starting to finish at the basket now after failing to make layups earlier in the season. Um, his pull up three, which is something that, you know, you, Every elite scorer in the league really needs a a, a, a pull-up three that is respectable, in my opinion, uh, unless you're like Giannis, but even he takes a bunch of pull-up threes. Um, he doesn't make them, though. Um, so, like, he, he's, he's taking a lot of pull-up threes. He's accurate with them. Uh, he just seems to be, like, the... the the, he's blossoming basically right now uh, into a very, very, very good player, and like I think he can he can get to the level that the Celtics need. Um, I think he can be the third best player in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. Um, so, what do you guys think about that as just like a premise and a possibility? So, him being the, the best player, you're saying on the well, I think he's the best player in the Celtics already. I'm talking about sure. Uh, third best player in the Eastern Conference. Like, so ahead of Siakam, if they went toe-to-toe against the Raptors, he would be the best player in that series. Better than Jimmy Butler on the Miami Heat if they went toe-to-toe. Um, hmm. I really only think that Embiid, peak Embiid, and 
uh, obviously Giannis are the two players that I would say hands down are, are better than Tatum. And I, I, like not today, but in the playoffs is kind of what I'm thinking is possible. Mike, you forgot one person in your top two. Kyrie Irving? Rankings. No, it's uh, Chris Middleton against the Celtics. Of course, yeah, is is the ultimate number one in the playoffs. But no, you're that's. <laughs> I, I I hesitate on Jimmy a little bit. Just I mean, I just seen you've seen him in so many big situations, step up and do it, and like, and and and, I, and I, can can I see Tatum reaching that level in this year's playoffs? Yes. Right now, if if you're picking someone to 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 go, if you're picking the two of them head to head in a uh, in a fourth quarter. I think I still go Jimmy. I would take him over Siakam for sure. Um, I might even take him over Embiid. Whoa! You know, damn. I mean, I, he's just such a mess. I don't know. I don't. I I just, I just have such little faith in 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 his his mental state, his physical state. Yeah, maybe he has the potential. His ceiling might be higher, but like, you know, I just I I, I don't. I'm not counting on him doing that right now. There's too much other shit going on in his head. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what we've seen, the confidence we have seen. And Tatum, and that really is really what it came down to for me. Um, every single night, going out and believing that he is the best player on the court, uh, certainly that he's the best player on the Celtics, and he's now averaging more points than Kemba, right? Yep. I don't know if it changed after last night, but uh, before that, he was the leading scorer for the Celtics. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's ready. I, there, we, we we have we have seen something, and it has a lot to do, like you said, Mike, with the way he's taking the ball to the hoop. With the way that, like, when he's not finishing, he's getting fouled and he's going to the line and he's getting his points that way. But, like, he's showing, and, and this is something we've been waiting for. You know, we've been talking about it for three years now. But uh, I, I just need, we, I just want to see it in, 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 in one playoff series. But um, it, it's, it's not far away. Yeah. When you, when you just look at Tatum, I think anytime you look at a player, the thing that always impressed me about him already is, his play, you know, a lot of guys' numbers or efficiency takes a dive in the postseason, and he really hasn't. He's shooting forty six from the f- percent from the field in the postseason. His numbers from three are down, but we know that's a shot that he's clearly worked a ton on. You know, heading into this year, so I just look at you the that fact with the other additions he's made to his game, along with the comfort level from being the clear number one or one B option on this team offensively. And yeah, like there, I think there's uncertainty whether he can be better than a Butler, but he hasn't been given that chance yet. And the, the, the signs for him to get to that point, to be to that like next year, I feel like are are look pretty good to me in terms of what we've seen, particularly in this you know last month. Yeah. It basically comes down to like, historically, if you want to win the championship and be considered a contender, you need someone on your team. Who's like at least a top 10 player. Right. right. And so that's kind of the question here. Cause the Celtics are, you know, they have four guys who are all-star caliber. Um, and, but none of them, you know, entering this season were even, I would say even safely a top 15 guy. You know, some people might quibble, but I I don't think any of them were really top fifteen players coming into this to the to the year, and so you you kind of look at Tatum and what he can do, and if he whether or not he can elevate you to that next level, because his you know I I think Boston's like like the characteristics that Boston has in terms of their offensive rating, their point differential, their defense, those are all signs of a championship contender. But hundred percent, yeah. But if you want to actually be one, you know, the playoffs are very different. You need someone who can get you a bucket in any circumstance, in any environment. And I think Tatum is that guy, or will be that guy in a couple months. And that's that's like what I'm seeing from him. That and and like last night's game was just it was wonky. Like if a couple of those threes drop, the Celtics might win that game, and everything looks different. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm. I've just been so impressed with him over the past month or so, and he's looks like a, a snake shedding its skin. And I think one one important thing I'll say real quick, B Rob, is that his teammates, I think, are ready and willing to defer to him. You know what I mean? Like when when his, when his time comes, and maybe it already can, but it's certainly coming, it's not going to be a fight. 
I think those guys know who he is and know what he's capable of. And certainly Kemba is not going to have a problem stepping aside and letting him do it. I don't get the sense that Jalen or Gordon will either. So that's going to make it a lot easier. There's not going to be any infighting about Jason Tatum emerging as the clear-cut on-court leader uh, of the Celtics. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Rich, in terms of just especially the way things went last season versus now and like where like guys being willing to you know adapt on any given night but when Tatum has it going he clearly becomes option number one in that sense the other I think big positive here from a Celtics standpoint is you know the numbers are what they are and they look impressive but the Celtics have just been far better of a team when Tatum's on the floor his whole career Mm -hmm. like his plus minus is like you know you know it's uh, it's a very stat that you know you can't really rely on too much in a in a vacuum but the fact that he's been tops on the team for every year in his career and it's just so drastic this year you know on top of all the other gains he's made i think it's just the you know what you need in terms of building a true contender like you said you have to have the the numbers but you have to have the team success and you combine both here in that front and this is i mean the Celtics needed this to happen like given how last season went mike like this was kind of they put all their their eggs in this basket of one of these guys whether it was Tatum or Brown to take this leap the odds were always that I was going to be Tatum but now the the future suddenly looks very bright again in Boston because this leap has been made again so soon no yeah if Kemba I think Kemba's wonderful I think Gordon at his best is a really good player if those two are your best players you're not winning a championship like it's just that's just not how it's gonna go for you um like, they always needed Tatum to emerge as the best player on the team. And, uh, I mean, it, to your point about, like, on-off, like, in real plus minus, which is also a pretty, you know, it has its flaws, but Tatum is fifth in the whole league. And the guys in front of him are LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, and Harden. Like, that's not nothing. Those guys are pretty good. That's, like, that's good company. That's, yeah. And he's right in front of Jokic. So, um. Yeah, he's he's a special player, uh, and uh, the ways that he's kind of evolving, um, you know, shot selection, his patience, running pick and roll, uh, not forcing things. Um, it's just been really good to see, and we haven't even talked about his defense really so much this episode, and, and that part of what he brings to the table is also humongous. You know, he, you can't pick on him. It was pretty it's always telling to me when brad puts him on who brad puts him on to start a game i mean against the oklahoma city thunder he was on chris paul like the whole game and you do that a lot because you want him you want to be able to switch pick and rolls and have him uh seamlessly go on to whoever sets the ball screens and he's big and strong enough to do that so having someone like that who can unlock such a, a really effective defensive scheme is is huge um He's a rim protector. Like he's just—he's a really good all-around basketball player. Um, and oh, let me, yeah, let, me get, let me get this in real quick because it's, it's getting late. But uh, I just want to let. Oh, you I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about if there are any odds about if Tatum's turned the Celtics into a contender this year. Well, it's funny that you asked that because uh, sports is in the spotlight once again as the NBA season is heating up, guys. Uh, college basketball has the drive on to March Madness, and the Wilder versus Fury two fight is shaping up to be a great one. Uh, you can find all the odds and information with our exclusive sportsbook partner, Bet Online. For over 20 years now, Bet Online has been providing customers with the first two market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. So head over to betonline.ag, use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And I do have their NBA prop page up right now. And the Celtics are still 16 to one to win the uh, the finals, which is you know where they've been f- since I think July. Uh, it's weird that that hasn't changed at all. But if we move to odds to win the Eastern Conference, obviously the uh, the Bucks are a heavy heavy favorite, minus 150. Uh, to give you some uh, perspective on that, the Lakers are favored. Uh, they're plus 175 uh, in the West. So that's much. That's how much more favored the uh, the Bucks are to come out of the East, and probably for good reason. But so the Bucks are first minus one fifty. The Celtics are second in the East right now, six to one. Miami at seven to one. Philly at seven to one. Toronto at eight to one. Whoa! Yeah, 
that's what we're looking at and everything else uh you know, indy is next at 20 to 1 brooklyn's 33 to 1 who cares about everyone else the knicks are 250 to 1 if you're feeling lucky Woo. uh but yeah so so six to one seven to one seven to one and eight that's, to one for the raptors which i found a little bit surprising yeah that's disrespectful for the raptors i feel like or maybe just the betting public doesn't believe in them without Kawhi in the playoffs but they have to um, wait till they win 30 in a row the Raptors I everyone's I mean, the Raptors would spank the Sixers let's be serious come on right I know like that's I well it's people aren't watching enough Raptors apparently right now um yeah that's but it is interesting you know the Celtics they they stood pat at the deadline obviously but they've still this last month they've managed to put themselves ahead of that pack and head of Philly in that pack I think is is pretty not super noteworthy, but it kind of signals that the what they're doing, what they've done in the last month and all season long here, Mike, is with the help of Tatum clearly um, taking a a new leap. But honestly, everyone on the team has taken a leap that's needed to get to that spot. Yeah, um, Boston is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, title of the podcast. Title, yeah, exactly. Um, how about Al Horford going to the bench, by the way? Oh, yeah. Spend a couple minutes talking about that. I mean, like, what? that's just – that's a tough situation. Um, I I don't know if you guys saw – did you watch the Sixers-Clippers uh, game last night? I, I saw did. the end of it. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I, they won that game, uh, and I, don't, I mean, we shouldn't spend too much time talking about Al Horford and the Sixers, but, um, yeah, I'm just – It's relevant. I'm just not that afraid of that team i gotta say like alex alec burke's uh jacking up long twos uh you know glenn robinson the third starting uh in the third quarter for you I, it's it seems very i wouldn't be surprised if brett brown did not make it to the postseason as head coach of that team um, yeah but at, the, at this point like their team they're not going to have home court advantage i think they're a good home team the sixers great are great home I mean, team a, yeah a game like last night when you know when tobias harris and you know, Josh Richardson was a, a deadly down the stretch, finished plus twenty four. I mean, when those two guys are playing like that, like like they're going to be tough to beat. But what, what what's their record on the road? Like nine and twenty two or nine and twenty one? Nine and nineteen, or? I think. Nine and nineteen. Uh, yeah. So that's going to pretty much tell the story of them. Yeah, it's it's situated. I mean, the road stuff with them is it kind of reminds you of just the Celtics last season um, and how things are going there, but. I mean, with Horford, I kind of feel like now he's going to be coming off the bench for the next four years there. Like, this is – I'm, I'm serious because it's like the fit with Embiid and Simmons just is not there against, you know, more than 50% of the NBA. And so what are you going to do? So he – like, they're not going to they, – they clearly tried it for 50 games. It's clearly not working. Al Horford is still a valuable player, but he is not – On that contract, uh, tough. I got – Right, but now you're paying $22 million a year for a guy to be your sixth man off the bench. And again, that's valuable for the Sixers for them because they, they don't have to overwork Embiid. But from Horford's perspective and what he thought he was signing up for down there, and now he's, he's pretty much turning into a glorified you know, backup center, essentially, and not getting to play the four at all, I feel like, um, particularly in game that matters. Um, I mean, sorry, Al, because he they clearly wanted him to be the perfect five for this team here. And now it's now just you, you get the money, but you may not get what you, you want in terms of a role. Yeah. Um, Although he said he was, he was, he said he was signing up for a chance to win a title, sure. uh, you know, and maybe not that they're much closer to winning a title. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he, it wasn't about the playing time. I think he bet on their core over the Celtics young core too, which is, we'll see if that bet works out or not, but Tatum is better was, than Simmons. I mean, we're going to find out a lot in the next couple of years. Um, but Yeah, let's pivot back to the Celtics and uh, this piece you wrote, B-Rob, um, about Gordon Hayward and what's going on with his player option and, you know, how screwed the Celtics would be if he opts out and leaves and the, just the options that the team has going forward and what's most likely to happen. I know that you, you asked him about it, didn't you? Yeah, so I talked to Hayward about it a couple weeks before the trade deadline, and and he kind of gave a expected quote of saying, you know, I'm just focused on the present, which is, uh, you know, very guarded of him, but understandable given his his situation. 
and but it's a very interesting dynamic that he, he and his agent faces going into this offseason because he has a, a pretty hefty $34 million player option. Um, he's going to be 30 years old. He's playing uh, very well this year when he's been healthy now. And he's also been sacrificing a lot in terms of numbers, playing next to three really good players in the starting five. Uh, at the same time, especially in the lieu of this trade deadline, his options of places to go are pretty pretty small. In a, but the, the free agency class is also pretty terrible. So it only takes one team here. But I'm going to go through the options for you guys, and you guys can... You know, maybe give your thoughts on each one of these teams. So the team that still has the most money to spend after the trade deadline is the Atlanta Hawks with $50 million. Our, I pose their threat level to sign him as very low. What I'm curious to see if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah, I mean... It kind of fits, though. It, he, kind of what it, they missing. do need a wing. They do need a wing. He, he fits, kind of. He doesn't fit their timeline, for sure. Um Trey Young is everything in that organization, but they've been weird. And, you know, I don't know what the pressures are from ownership on down to Travis Schlank to get a winner on the court as soon as possible. So it wouldn't be like a total complete shock if, you know, he opts out. And I I would assume they would need to do a four-year max, which is really... That's just not what you want if you're the Hawks. But um, I, I would t- I would also gauge it as, as very unlikely, just looking at it through a, a, a lens of common sense. But who knows? Like, who knows? Do you guys know what his max starting salary is next year for Hayward? Who? It's scary to know. Is it is it coming up on 40? Uh, Mike, you got to guess? I, no, I don't know the maxes it, off the top of my head. Yeah, so it's not coming up on 40, Rich. It's actually over 40. 40 <laughs> $40.25 million for a 10-year veteran. The Chris Paul um, special. That is it. So, uh, for, I think, I feel very, knowing that number, I feel very safe in saying Gordon Hayward will not be a max player, uh, even if he does opt out. Because even a team like Atlanta, like, that's just, you know, wild to pay a guy at 30 that much money. Um or that guy, at, uh, that guy at thirty. That guy at them at thirty. Exactly, I should say that. All right. So Atlanta, like the fit is kind of there. I mean Hayward too. I can't see Hayward like wanting to spend his, even if they are paying him forty million dollars a year, like to what to fight to make the playoffs in Atlanta with that core. Like, meh. Um, all right. Uh, New York Knicks next on the list. They could open up to fifty million dollars uh, if they decline all these terrible team options for Portis and Taj Gibson and. Wayne Ellington, who might get bought out. Um, yeah. Hayward, hand the keys to the franchise for him. Get him back on track here. Ooh. No, don't see that one either. <laughs> I, I just don't see anybody taking – I don't see – I actually don't see them targeting Hayward at all, but I also don't see anyone taking their money for quite a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so that – Brings us to the next tier, which is this isn't max cap room, but uh, it is still a stage big chunk of change. Uh, Detroit Pistons can open up up to thirty four million dollars. Um, I wrote a article on Boston Sports Journal. A core of Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, and Gordon Hayward sounded great about five to ten years ago, but <laughs> probably not in twenty twenty. Yeah, no, they're rebuilding. They're they're yes. going nowhere near Gordon Hayward. Um, but they have to spend money somewhere, don't they? Or is Blake going to be enough to fill that to get to the floor? The floor is yeah. They'll the have to spend some money. Yeah, they're going to spend money, but they'll only have to spend like twenty, twenty-five million to get to the floor. So okay. Um, but they clearly they do need. I mean, we'll see what the pressures are to win there too. So they could be looking for more. You know win now guys potentially, but not thirty-year-old win now guys. I think. Um, but this is the interesting one from the trade line. Miami Heat. They hmm. opened up $26 million in potential cap room for next season. They also have Kelly Olynyk's expiring contract on the books that I would feel like could get dumped with a sweetener if was necessary to open up even more room. My question for you guys, are they considering that he, the Heat were a runner-up for Hayward in three summers ago? 
could they make a run here or are they just waiting for big fish in 2021 uh with this core i think that i would be i would be pretty surprised if they went after gordon this summer but i who knows what happens in the playoffs and how that will impact their calculus and what they want to do and if they if they think that they are that much closer to winning it all and he is the answer then maybe they they make a run at him but i also just think like looking at their roster um they have like a lot of good wings already and Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean you know someone like we're talking like harrow and and duncan robinson like who else besides jimmy i mean crowder maybe but well iguodala Iguodala. sure crowder's a free agent um but you take gordon over all those guys right well second at the price like no i don't think so like i wouldn't um like duncan robinson is making peanuts kendrick nunn's making peanuts you can probably keep Derek jones jr for very little um so I don't I don't know. I would be I would be pretty surprised if they went after him, especially if, you know, like I could see I, I would see like Danilo Gallinari honestly being a, a bigger target for them in free agency. And maybe that was a factor in why they didn't make that trade, because they figured why give up stuff when we can just sign him as a free mm-hmm. agent. Um, uh, and then, yeah, in 2021, you have like Victor Oladipo, uh, Giannis, obviously. Uh, a bunch of of different names and as we've learned over the past 18 months in the nba anything is possible and anyone can get disgruntled at any time and so who knows so i would i would imagine that they want to keep it open and i also think that gallo would be a a bigger target for them over gordon hayward it makes sense to me a little bit gordon seems like a riley spolster kind of guy i think he's one of those the egoless uh, semi-star that could work work well next to Jimmy. I agree that if, if they think that they have a chance to get Giannis, they're not going to go all in on Gordon. But uh, I would be less surprised if, if they made a run at him. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this list, I feel like this is the only realistic team on this list. The only other ones left are Charlotte and Phoenix that have up to $25 million in room <laughs> next year. So, yeah, so it's like Miami or busts. And from that standpoint, I think the Celtics have to feel like they're in pretty good shape here in terms of avoiding uh, a Horford situation from last summer. Since, I mean, Hayward could just opt in, but if you're Danny Ainge, do you, you know, are you willing, again, based on what happens in this postseason, potentially factoring in, how willing are you to be like, hey, Gordon, opt out. We want to bring you back for three or four years here at a price that makes sense to us. And because we think that this core is you know, good enough to contend at least, which we weren't sure before the year. I have a cap question that you might not be able to answer, B-Rob, so I don't, I'm putting you on the spot, admittedly. Sure. But could you, if you were Gordon and the Celtics, could you opt in and extend? That's a good question. I think you could conceivably, like not right away when you opt in, but I would think he would be extension eligible, um, but I, I don't see that happening because uh, I I think the Celtics would much rather have that thirty four million dollars get lower in that year to get their luxury tax bill down. Mm-hmm. But I think just in in a vacuum, yeah, I think they could do that too. Yeah, that would be. That's I mean, if I was gordon and his representation that's what i would be pushing for if that was possible um over taking a pay cut um or just opting in with my injury history and not getting a long-term deal um yeah you know what's a fair deal for him what what would you give him what would how comfortable would you feel going with him another two or three years knowing that yeah you might have to trade someone at some point but he wants to be a good deal obviously i don't know because as as important as Gordon is and as how good how good he has been, there are certainly diminished returns here, right? Like, he's not worth that much money on this roster. Um, next to Tatum, sure. next to Jalen, next to Kemba. Um, he is important, for sure, but it's just, it's a lot of money to, to give to someone with his skill set and his injury history, et cetera. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't be comfortable giving, like, throwing a number out there with any accuracy whatsoever, but I will say, like, just a slight side effect here that I was looking at 
today is the tax situation. And it would mm-hmm. be really like it would be great. I don't think it's possible. B Rob, you can correct me. But if they were to use their full, be able to use their full mid level this summer, because there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of names that are talented that are gettable at that. I think it's like nine something um, for the full mid level. Right. But getting to it, I don't I don't think it is it possible. I don't I don't think it's possible. Mm, not a favorites here. No. Yeah. Like it's trouble. You're. Yeah, so you're only getting the taxpayer mid level, which is like six something, f- maybe six, yeah. yeah, six and change. Um, Rich, what are you? What are you willing to do a favorite here, given this situation? How how does it work with a with a potential trade with him this summer? Um, so if he opts out, the Celtics could conceivably, you know, they'll have his bird rights still, so they could sign and trade him. Like they would have to essentially, they would have to do that. Because I can't afford him to let him walk for nothing because I still are going to be have no cap room. Like, they'd have the full mid-level, but that's it. Um, so it'd be a pretty big subtraction with not enough coming back in to just let him walk out right. Yeah, I mean, that's that this seems like an interesting option to me, you know? Like, that, that kind of opens up, you know, it doesn't matter who has the money or whatever. You could maybe make something work. I don't know what a, what a uh, well, you're not potential... Well, you're not able to, to participate in a sign trade if you're over the tax, right? Uh, over the the apron, oh, okay. which is I think a bit higher, but yeah, it would. I think the Celtics could. It, it would be. I'd have to look into that more. To th- I don't want to make any grandstands, but yeah, that would be an impact in terms of potentially limiting and how much they could take back. Yeah, I think I think we'll see what happens in, in these playoffs here. You know, I mean, we just, we're we're talking about, or we started talking about the chances of the 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 Celtics maybe coming out of the East, or you know, at least at least get, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. They go they go seven games in the Conference Finals against the Bucks, right? I mean, I, I don't know if if Gordon is willing to maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Does that increase the the chances that, that he maybe just play, comes back and, and plays that one more year at thirty? He's got a lot of leverage. Do we think he's definitely opting out? He's. I don't think he's definitely opting out. Um, he might think, okay, I want, you know, I want to enter the 2021 bonanza when a ton of teams have cap room and like, and a lot of teams that are playing to get those, right. <laughs> those big guys are going to lose out. Not everyone. Right. They're gonna, some teams going to, right, some teams are going to lose out and I might be That's a good consolation prize. Right. <laughs> but I mean, what do you think he wants the rest of his career right now? Like, is he want, do you feel like he might just be like, listen, I want to be an all-star again, which is going to be tough to be as a Celtic or does he, you know, he's made a lot of money in his career. Now does that become less of a priority for him to a degree of, in terms of compared to winning? And does he feel any loyalty to the Celtics kind of how they've kind of stuck by him through thick and thin here in the last few years? I think it could, it would be like, just, I, I can't get into his head, but if I were, if I were Gordon, like, Making all the money, whatever, that's wonderful. I want a fair contract that isn't too much of a pay cut. But, like, staying in Boston, you like you know a few things, almost to near certainty. Like, you're going to be competitive. You're going to have a shot at the championship. You're also, when you're on the floor, like, you're never going to be the center of the defense's attention, which is good. Like, it's good for you physically. It's good for you getting the numbers and the shots that you want. Um, like defenses are always going to be more geared to slow down Kemba and Tatum and even Jalen than Gordon Hayward, I think. So, uh, especially next year going forward. So I would just look at it like that. Um, I don't need to defend the like the, the the other team's best scorer. Like there's other guys on this team that can do that. So the game is just easier for me, um, and I'll be more comfortable here. I, I like the coach. Like I just, I th- I think that it's just a good fit all the way around. And if they can come to an agreement on the money, then it seems like a no brainer. Yeah. Unless he's more comfortable in a red state. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens in, in, in 2020. Yes, we will. <laughs> Winning play state watch. Um, no, it is, it is a fascinating question. Like, cause there are so many variables in play. Like you hit on Mike, but I, I agree with you in a, in a, in a vacuum, there's a lot of certainty about where Boston's at. Like, yeah, he might, he still could be an all-star here, like on the, in the right season. If, you know, just if they get three all-stars at some point and he outplays Jalen Brown and, um, but he couldn't get, you know, I don't think 
if any if Miami's not interested in him next offseason, he might not have much leverage at all um, in terms of getting the kind of salary he wants. And maybe he opts in there, but um, and then punts it on a year. But it's going to be a a fascinating subplot to through the postseason here because well, he does have leverage, right? Because they can't replace him. They can't. Right, he does have that too. So it's like both sides need each other. Could need each other um, in that standpoint. In which point, I would expect some middle ground to be found, or he just opts in and they they wait another year to kind of figure it out. The Hawks got four all-stars that year, right? When Corver made it, uh, Coach Bud's first year there? Yeah. Yep. 15. Yep. Was, it, was it Teague, Horford? Uh, Millsap. Millsap and, yeah. and Corver? Millsap was actually yeah. the guy who I was thinking about for the full mid-level. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be a nice fit. Front office loves him, too. He's very good. Very, very good. But, alas, they will not have it. It's funny because Millsap's a better fit than Gordon. <laughs> Right. Yeah, totally. In terms of yeah, in terms of defense for sure. Yeah. But bummer. Oh well. Alright. <laughs> all right. So that we'll keep an eye on other full mid level exception candidates next summer, um in the coming weeks here. But this will be our last uh we're gonna send Mike off to Chicago to freeze his ass off now Ooh. for All Star Weekend. And Mike loves Chicago like more Chicago. He loves Cleveland for All Star. Toronto, I think. <laughs> Indy. He just wants Indy. He just really loves these destinations. I'm so excited for the next couple February All Star weekends. Just like bring on the Rust Belt. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio. Why don't we? Why don't mm. we have it there? That just makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I should go like nine NBA cities to spread the game. St. Like Paul. To let's go to St. Paul. Yeah, Falls. exactly. Yeah, let's go. Let's ex- Buffalo. Let's explore Calgary for the hell of it. Um, <laughs> we should start doing it at the G League cities. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah, that's uh, – it's just – it's, yeah, wonderful. Well, be safe and stay warm. Thank you. I will do my best. And we will be back with you guys uh, next week when we get to hear about that and prep the Celtics as they enter a pretty tough stretch, uh, a four-game uh, West Coast swing uh, to start off life in post-All-Star break.